grandparents. At Vanguard, you're more than just a grandparent. You're the family historians. You fill your closets with heirlooms, family photos, and letters from long ago. You're always planning the next family reunion, even at the reunion. Because for you, time well spent is time spent on them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation, distributor. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Winning season returns at mybookie.ag and it's time to get in on the action. First-time players can get started by doubling your first deposit, giving you the firepower, ba-boom, to add excitement to the games you love. College football odds boosts, NFL lock of the week season, and over $500,000 in contest prizes live on-site to make winning this season your best ever with MyBookie. With a historic 18-week schedule offering more action than ever before, you need a sportsbook casino that's reliable, and you won't find a better place than MyBookie. Bookie. I know you're going to bet this season, so do the smart thing and sign up with my bookie and use our promo code ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo to get your first ever deposit matched dollar for dollar. That's extra money credited to your account instantly just for using promo code ZABE and making your first deposit today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie, and when you win, get paid. Today on the Zabecast, nobody thinks Blaine Gabbert's a good quarterback, but when it's down to him or Ben DiNucci to save your season, well then, that's a different story. I'll talk about the relative wisdom of investing in a solid NFL backup with Drew Olson. We'll also talk Trevor Bauer and his psycho thirst trap, as well as why he hates the movie Field of Dreams. All that, plus a personal tale of preseason NFL heartbreak. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so... Buckle up, man. Let's go. Oh, here we go. Tuesday, August 17, 2021. Thank you for downloading. Before I get going, I got a bunch of emails on ambidextrous pitchers in baseball history, as well as pitch velocity, both at the plate and off of pitcher's arms. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of that. I need to aggregate all that, edit them together before presenting them in a hopefully more logical format. I didn't have time to do that today. I did get an email from one Doug Muldowney, and he writes, Arcos System. Zabe, getting ready to play my first round today with my newly installed Arcos screw-in sensors. Would be interested to hear a little more about what you didn't like about them. Reviews are a bit mixed on their reliability, but it was I was really hopeful that I'd have a good experience. Wouldn't mind a few minutes on the pod dedicated to it. Was just thinking this last week about how much I enjoy the Capital Golf Gang, and it's been too long now. That's a fun format. Thanks a lot, Doug Muldowney. Okay. The Arco system, 
for those who are not golfers. They are little sensors the size of bottle caps that screw in to the little hole in the grip end on the butt end of your golf clubs, all 14 golf clubs. Uh, Your grips have a little hole on the bottom of them to let air and water and just stuff drain out in case water seeps in there somehow. You don't want a building up. So you screw them in there, and they're very technologically savvy sensors that run on a very small battery that have a microphone that picks up the sound of you hitting a golf ball and registers that and then sends that sound of you hitting a golf ball with each club to your phone and says, ooh, I heard a shot and I know that this sensor has been registered as a three iron or a five iron or a nine iron, so I'm going to then send it to your phone. Your phone downloads courses and the, by the way, I'm making big idiotic gestures with my hands right now as if I'm giving a presentation or or you're watching me. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> but I guess it's just me trying to help explain it. So your your phone downloads the courses and the layouts and the yardages and all the information about a golf course. And knowing, using your GPS in your phone, it knows exactly where you are. And they're like, oh, you turn the Arcos app on, you must be at North Hills country club uh are you ready to start your round boom you hit start and from there in theory every shot you take with every club including every putt should be automatically recorded and entered into your phone so you can go back and go huh i averaged 242 off the tee or i was hitting my four iron this Far, or I had X number of up and downs, or I had this many three putts, and yet, in theory, it's a hell of a system, but it doesn't work. <laughs> That's just the bottom line. It does not work. Does it work ninety percent of the time? Yeah, probably. But then you have to fiddle. So, okay, you go look at your phone. You notice, ooh, it recorded an extra shot where I didn't take one. All right, how do I figure out how to edit here? I was pushing and poking and dragging and what the, where is this? Okay, all right, delete. Okay, now I'm going to move this here. I also did that a lot with other settings. Now, once I get more, once I would get more comfortable with the settings, I would imagine I'd do less poking around, but the phone and the system is not foolproof. It missed several shots out of the rough because I guess the, clack of the ball wasn't loud enough or crisp enough because the rough was all fluffy. And then the putting sensor, oof, it's just not. I mean, you're talking about little teensy tiny tap-ins. And maybe they've tuned the putting sensor so that it detects a tiny vibration in the shaft of your club. But I don't know how it would hear, hear with its ears, uh, with its little sensor, the ball being uh, actually tapped, tap, tap, tap with the putter. Also, you had to manually drag your finger and put the pin that day where it was on the green. Again, you're thinking, well, how hard is that? You come up to the green and you just take out your phone and go, pin's over here. Just do that 18 times. Just do that 18 times when you're trying to find your ball in the rough. 
just do that 18 times when you've already taken six shots on the hole and you're kind of pissed off and you're ready to give up. Just do that 18 times without failing, without forgetting. Oh, God, I forgot this time. Well, you're going to go back and try to figure it out? It's just too much damn fiddling. And then I realized, okay, I could accumulate all this data on my game. What am I going to do with it? What am I going to do? Go back and look at different rounds? Am I going to sit there in the winter and look at the shot maps of my 75 at North Hills? Oh, yes, that drive. That was a good one there on number four. Oh, the three wood was really good. Look at that. Hey, hey, Bill, look at this. This is my round here. See the shots? You know, fairway, green. Hey, like that? That's good. Oh, what, what, you walking away? What are you doing? Don't you want to hear the rest of my round? Now, they have a caddy, a Arcos caddy that will analyze your data, and it will analyze where you are behind in what a typical amateur with your handicap should be doing, strokes gained either off the tee or putting or short game or iron play. I don't know how all that voodoo works. You know, I'm an amateur like anyone else. It's a matter of how often do I get to play? How am I feeling on any given day? (laughs) And then on top of it all, and I'm glad I remembered this, you have to subscribe. You get a year free with your first purchase. And the uh, the units are $149 for the 14 buttons. And you could use that just with your phone or you could have your watch, if you have an Apple Watch, listen or get the data flung to you from the sensors. Or you can do what I did, which is buy an extra device that clips to your belt for another $150 that more reliably picks up the sound of your ball being hit. In theory, it still made mistakes. So you're in for about at least 350 and then you get one year of a free, quote, free subscription. And then if you want to still use the whole system, you got to pay like $109 for the following year. Ech. On top of that, I realized this. You kind of got to be a little bit careful with the, the the butt plugs, the screws that go in the back. And no matter how tight you try to screw them in to get them nice and tight, flush, not all of them stay in flush, depending on how your grips are. And then you got this kind of, uh, just kind of a janky butt end that's not fully attached to the end of your club. You have to be careful not to grip your club too far down where part of your hand is actually on the sensor causing it to get loose. And then worst of all, my putter has a pistol grip, which is shaped not like a circle. And the sensor for the putter is just a simple round button. And it did not fit on there in any kind of way, shape, or form. It was on there, but it looked stupid and it felt awkward. Oh, and then the last thing about all this. I realized I like things that are simple and elegant. And so... The simple, elegant thing of having a club properly gripped, nothing on it, being able to twirl it in your hands when you make a good shot, being able to carry it down the fairway if you're lucky enough to play with a caddy, without some stupid-ass buttons on it. You know, the buttons would eventually get lost, I'm sure. Some bag boy would put jam your club in the wrong way, and they'd fall off and then come out of your bag. Then you got to order a new one, and eh, it's more than I need. So... I returned them. Thank you, Amazon. Two greatest days of my life, buying a gadget and returning a gadget over and over 
and over again. The familiar walk-up music of one Drew Olson. It's been too long since you've been on the pod. It's all my fault, but I do get to see you once a week now in the mornings. Good morning, Drew. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Zabe. What's up with you? (laughs) Well, there's a lot up. I had to call you. I had to get you on the pod tonight, especially because of the Trevor Bauer text string from hell that he released. <laughs> and and I, I just know you've got sort of a closer understanding of how that world works in Major League Baseball, having covered the Brewers for many a year and telling no tales, sort of like the old-time sports writers who would see Babe Ruth run through a train naked being chased by three women and then go right back to their newspapers. But you kind of know how it works. And I said on my show today, I go, look, Trevor Bauer's an idiot. Because you can't just splash around and swim as you like in an ocean of thirst traps and not expect a few of them to get really fucking sideways on you. Right? Yeah, that would be good advice. I think that's something maybe his <laughs> agents should have told him, perhaps, to be careful right. and tone it down. But all bets are off. Like, I'm sure there were guys in my day traveling and being around it and just on the fringes of it that were into rougher stuff. Um, perhaps, well, let's but, let me separate the two know, things. Let me separate the two it. things. The California incident with the girl from Sa- the woman from San Diego. That's a serious matter. And he may end up being charged with a crime. Let me put that aside. I just yes. was responding to the text thread that he re- released himself in a video, because it was too long to tweet out all the screen caps of it. <laughs> he, he, uh, it was from another woman in 2016 in Ohio. And this woman was like, why can't I see you? And he's like, I got a game tonight and an early game tomorrow. She's like, I don't know your schedule. And he's like, well, look it up. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to drive there tonight. It's four hours, but I'll be there at one. He's like, no. I don't have time for you. She's like, why not? And then she starts getting hysterical and panic saying, I've got nowhere to stay. Please just pick up the phone. Let me talk to you. And he's like, no. Then she's like, I got no hotel room. I don't know where I don't want to sleep in my car. And at one point, Trevor Bauer's like, just don't stay on the north side of Cincinnati. It's dangerous up there. And she's losing her mind. He finally buys her a hotel room, sends it to her and says, you know, get out of my life. But he claims that that woman then was going to fabricate some things to try to ruin his life. That's what I'm talking about. That's the level of crazy. I'm just going to assume that nothing actually illegal or untoward happened in that particular incident. And it was like this window drove into, man, the level of crazy that some of these ballplayers must run into has got to be spectacular. Yeah, I don't know that that's changed that much. There's always, you know, it used to be a running joke where guys would – do fake like paternity suits. They would, you know, they would hire somebody to dress up and like serve them with papers on the road and stuff. What? Take them out and, Wait, oh yeah. I've not That's heard happened. this trick before. Tell me why is one? Uh, I think that goes all the way to ball four and stuff like that, that era where guys would, you know, um, set up a teammate and say that there was a paternity suit from some woman that they were had a dalliance with or something. It's like, it it gets so, thorny, man. So wait, so it, wait, guys would prank other guys on the team 
Yes. <laughs> well, I think what's changed, obviously, is the digital age and the no ability question. to text not just, you know, messages, but send photos and then to record screenshots of conversations, which are going to be pretty pivotal in the Bauer case, you know? Yeah, there's no question. The uh, The text trail is always... Um, you know, that's evidence. If you're investigating something like this, there is definite hard evidence in these text chains and these exchanges, right? But it goes to, okay, so there's a lot of crazy out there that they have to deal with. Some of these players are pretty crazy thirsty too, Zay. Oh, I know. The the new currency is like, they don't need, everybody talks about like Tinder and stuff like that, right? They don't need that. They have Instagram, right? And so guys who... Guys can just go, let's say that you're you're in, we'll say Cincinnati, right? Yeah, right, sure. And you can just go to like a key bar district or maybe even a bar or a hotel that you're staying in or that you're familiar with. And you can search that location and look for posts, recent posts, posted by hot women in, no that, in that area. No way. You can search sure. geographically. Sure you, can. <laughs> you can search geographically. And so there are... There are people that I know that like randomly they would get texts or they would get likes on their pictures from Brewers players that they had never met. Oh, wow. And so when you're putting stuff out there and a guy can search it by a city or by a location or by a neighborhood or by a bar that he's going to go to that night, he likes that text. And then that becomes the entree. That's like, oh, I'm going to DM this guy now or, oh, I'm going to reach out. This guy likes my photo. He's famous. He's rich. Right. Boom. And that's how these things are transacted now. That's uh, in a lot of ways. It's as simple as that. That, you know, a guy might put it out there to a hundred different women who post photos in some big cities, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's uh, exactly. And that that's how it begins. And then you start getting into it. I mean, Trevor Bauer appears to be a bit of a psychopath. Did you see the story? That SI wrote about him in which he outlined his three rules for dating. Yes, I did see that. And that's an interesting layer to this right. is that he has developed a character um, or he has revealed a character that is, you know, unlikable, cantankerous, you know, contrarian, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Um, boisterous, cocky. Psychopath. I, I'm thinking to myself, what if the same thing had come out and it had been like Eli Manning or Peyton Manning or wow. someone who had a milk and cookies image who was into the rough stuff and had, you know, punching women and stuff like that with Trevor Bauer. You, you hear that and you're like, Oh, what a jerky thing to do. Oh, he's kind of a jerk. Anyway, it kind of fits one plus one equals two. Yeah. He's the, I think he's like the Jay Cutler of baseball. Yeah, yes. He's like, yes, kind of lost the benefit of the doubt over these. Yeah. And, and, and kind of looks the same and is like, yeah, I'm fucking good at my sport. The hell, you know, you got a problem with that. I don't care. Here's his three rules for those that don't know. Said Bauer, this is an SI.com article written by Ben Reeder from about four years ago. He says, quote, I've got three rules. One, no feelings. As soon as I sense you're developing feelings, I'm going to cut it off because I'm not interested in a relationship and I'm emotionally unavailable. Okay. Two, Okay. no social media posts about me while we're together because private life stays private. Until it doesn't, as we're now finding out. Yes. Three, I sleep with other people. I'm going to continue to sleep with other people. 
If you're not okay with that, we won't sleep together, and that's perfectly fine. We can just be perfectly polite, platonic friends. Narrator, Drew, no women wanted to be platonic friends <laughs> after that. It, it doesn't work that way. No. That's a great, in, in his fantasy world, that's a great you know idea to lay that out there. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the three rules are are fantasy rules, but it requires the other human beings, bags full of emotions and insecurities and hopes and dreams and desires, that they play along with your rules. And they may play along at first, Drew, but then something happens. Well... The lifestyle's intoxicating, right? Famous rich guys, guy's going to leave me tickets. I'm going to sit in the good section, you know, or I'm going to get flown to a hotel. Yeah. You know, uh, across the country to go on this exotic getaway. It can be intoxicating, right? So the idea that you're just going to be friends, like, oh, like he's going to entertain that, right? Without the extracurriculars. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, beg, I, I would bet you he probably has enough friends, platonic or otherwise. Oh, of course, yeah, no, I, there's no the He for... doesn't need platonic friends that he also slept with and may have punched in the vagina. Sorry for the language, yeah. kids. That's what was in uh, the court documents. So, yeah, so he's got this plan laid out, which makes sense to him, but he doesn't realize that I'm sure many women, if not almost all of them, have that pretty woman Julia Roberts fantasy in the back of their heads, right? I'll be the one who changes him. I will melt his heart. I will break his ironclad three rules. I've just got to hang in one more road visit later and later and later, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, it's a story that's, you know, it's evolving because of, like you said, technology and convenience and everything. But this is, you know, it's not a new thing in terms of no, athletes, for I, sure. I right? remember when Wade Boggs, and this must have been in the late 80s. I don't know how it sort of came out, but it was maybe it was just me coming of age, Drew, to go, what? It came out that Wade Boggs basically had a mistress in every city. Sure, yeah. And that's that not and he unusual. Had, he had to eat chicken on every game day. He had to have yeah. chicken. Yes, he had to have chicken, fried chicken on game day. Otherwise, he couldn't perform. And I, I don't know if there's any way that this will change. I, I think Bauer's being an idiot because he's in, he's in big trouble now. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, he's obviously he's been out since the first yeah. week of July. He's been on the you know suspended list, and you don't know where this is going to turn. Like I don't know the Dodgers, Hollywood, L.A. That's kind of their market is. You know, ground zero for the Me Too movement, right? That's kind of that that, right. that adds an extra layer to it. Do they just cut him loose because of a morals clause that they invoke? I mean, how do you cut a guy loose with that much money coming? How would that work? That's just well, Eat if it? there's a moral if there's a moral turpitude oh. clause, do they have to pay it? I mean, obviously, if he goes has he a, a criminally charged, he, they, they're probably off the hook. I guess, but has a guaranteed major league contract ever been erased? Well, on a moral turpitude clause. I can't remember one. I can't think of any. No, there are other, you know, people have other um, problems besides women, right? But right. substance problems and things like that. So I, I'm not sure. But it uh, it's fascinating because then, you know, they went and got another big right-hander, right? Yeah, <laughs> and Scherzer. I, well, that's crazy. They're just like, well, this one guy we bought, he could be out for a while. Let's go get another guy. 
Let's must, go get another top of the market guy. That yeah. and as long as the manager doesn't pat his butt, he's okay. Yeah. Right. Must, yeah. Exactly. Must be nice on that front. Don't effing touch me. He told his manager apparently. So. Oh okay, really? I won't. Scherzer yeah. didn't like Davy Lopes patting him on the ass, da- huh? Davy, uh, yeah. Dave Roberts like, patted him on Dave the Roberts, ass or something sorry. after his first inning of his first start or something. He said, "Don't effing touch me." He's one of these guys who takes it up to fifteen on the days when he's on the mound. He's just an animal. I mean, you've seen the act. Yeah, he's hyper competitive and like you don't talk to him. You don't just talk. Don't talk to him during a no hitter. You don't talk to him at all. <laughs> like you don't. Right. Right. A lot of the good ones are like that too. I mean, I remember uh, Randy Johnson when he pitched for the Diamondbacks. Their catcher Damian Miller was from Lacrosse, and I knew Damian a little bit, and he always told me that. On days that Randy pitched, they hoped that they fucked up his order at Starbucks because then he'd come in extra pissed off and he'd have an extra couple of miles an hour and he might go up and in under somebody's chin because he was pissed at the Starbucks guy. Oh my so. god, <laughs> yeah, the Starbucks guy! It's always something. All right, let's let's pivot to Field of Dreams, Drew. I've been referencing you in various oh, platforms yes. about how you are the number one Field of Dreams hater out there. You're not just Field of Dreams neutral. You affirmatively contend the movie sucks. So let's go yes. through it piece by piece. Number one, do you have a problem with Kevin Costner in baseball? Because he's only done three big baseball movies. This one, Bull Durham, and uh, For Love of the Game. For Love of the Game, yes. I do not have a problem with Kevin Costner. No, in fact, Bull Durham is probably my favorite baseball movie. It is mine too. And it's it's a real baseball movie, whereas I maintain and my big issue with Field of Dreams is it's not really a baseball movie baseball is an allegory it's a that's a good question and that's part of my confusion most people tell me well then you just watch it and like oh you must not have a relationship with your father like i have a great relationship with my father i grew up playing catch we never had a catch we played catch after (laughs) dinner or before dinner do you by the way do you know that that's a whole big argument i know it's like a whole big thing it's like rbi and rsbi's that's right. And I'm like, That's get right. a it's fucking a re- life, you people. Really? It's a regional thing. It's a, and it was a, it's a schmaltzy line at the end of a schmaltzy movie. But Zabe, the thing is that everybody, I, I talked to Mike Heller about this at length one time, a couple of summers ago when this came up and everybody says, well, it's about you know, fathers and sons. And it's like, yeah, you're ascribing your relationship and you're, you're, you're projecting that onto this film that didn't really earn that because the relationship between what is it? Uh, you know, Roy, Ray, 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 Ray Kinsella. Ray Kinsella. It's never explored in the movie. Like, what did they argue about besides just freaking shoeless Joe Jackson in the Hall of Fame? Like, it's never. It's this left gray, and it's never sketched. It's like True. it's a. It's it's a paint by numbers. Like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna glom my own father and my own relation onto that when. It doesn't. That movie doesn't earn that because it's not explained. I'm not sure they had. I'm not sure they had time to to flesh it out. A movie had to go so many different places, you know. Well, and there there is another problem. The movie went in a lot of different places, right? I mean, it's yeah. Got to go to Minnesota. Got to go to Minnesota to see Moonlight Graham. Got to go to Boston to get James Earl Jones. Got to go back. Yes. It's like all this fucking traveling for God's sakes. Yes. Um. Uh, and so I, I, yeah, the movie to me is schmaltzy. It, it it tries to it pushes the buttons. It works for some people. It fell flat for me. I hated the fact that Shoeless Joe was Ray Liotta, a right-handed batting Bronx accent guy, instead of a left-handed batting Southern guy. That was oh, an easy casting thing. Wow, never knew that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they miscast one of the main characters, which is bad. There's a couple other flaws in it. I don't think the characters are 
that well drawn. I just, I didn't like the movie. I mean, I, I went into it. It's a little bit like draft day. It's like, it's glitzy. And if you don't know anything, it's okay. But like, it's oh, just, it didn't draft day anything. with Kevin Costner makes 0. 0.0 fucking sense. Exactly. I mean, exactly. we're moving up. We're moving back. We're going for it. We're not going for it. Like, oh, for God's sakes, you know? <laughs> Have your war room together before the goddamn draft. <laughs> exactly. But Feel the Dreams just, it, it misses on many levels for me. I think it's like, it's in the top five bad movies that I really don't like. And another popular movie that I really hate is Dirty Dancing, but that's a whole nother podcast. Eh? <laughs> you know My what? My mother-in-law's favorite movie of all time. It's like, oh yeah, come for the classism, stay for the abortion, stay for the, you know. <laughs> You know what we could, you know what we could bundle this, we could bundle this all up into one concept, one, one bit. You ready? This is the hill I will die on. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Dirty dance and field of dreams. You're happy to die on that hill. I will die on the movie. Okay. (laughs) What we need to do is we need to, uh, it would be a copyright violation, but somehow we have to live stream us watching the movie. And I'm going to have the uh, remote control in my hand and stop it at points and say, okay, does okay. this make sense to you? Does this make sense? Does this make sense to you that, uh, you know, Ray's going to Ray lose his farm do this. for plowing? That, no, that Ray yeah. Kinsella is going to lose his farm for plowing under three acres. It's a pretty <laughs> shitty fucking farm if you're going to lose three acres and you're going to go bankrupt. Know. You know, and the, and the fucking bank is at your door because you, <laughs> you made a baseball field out of corn. I mean, come on. And honestly, not, I, not, I think I think a okay. diamond is one and a half acres. I'm pretty okay, sure well, it's not even again, that. It was like yeah. a half a diamond. It wasn't even a real diamond, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and that's all the disconnects. Like the James Earl Jones casting. We got this liberal writer, right? Who's who's there, you know, just celebrating it and pining for these guys to come out of the cornfield that played before the game was integrated. Right, right. Why would he want to go back <laughs> yeah. to such we a have dark a writer of color that wants to go back to that dark era right. when black guys weren't allowed in the basically in the ballpark? Right, you know? exactly. Well, and, and it was a hard turn for him wanting to kill Ray Kinsella when he first went to his house and then becoming this jolly, lovable, oh, they'll come, Ray. Yeah, love yes, it. You know, come. it's like. Not only will they come, Zabe, we'll get $20 a person out of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that speaks to all his woke Berkeley liberal writing stuff. He wants to suck $20 out of the idiots that'll come and celebrate this. Cha-ching, cha-ching, Ray. You're going to make so a mint. By the way, I don't, yeah, I don't know why I tried to kill you five minutes ago. We're, we're buddies now. We're buddies now. And so I've seen the movie like two or three times. I've seen bits and pieces. Now, here's the thing. Here's the disconnect. Here's the Tao of Drew. I hate the movie with the fire of a thousand suns. But I liked the game, the production of the game wow. in Iowa. Okay. Having a major league game in Iowa is cool. Now the fact that they had to suck suck it off this you know this crappy movie and have Costner out there and like <laughs> let the guys walk through the corn, it made for great visuals. That was cool as hell. Major league baseball doesn't get a lot right, but they got this right, and yeah. it was fabulous visuals. It got good ratings. It's going to become their winter classic. Kudos to them as long as it doesn't celebrate. Why don't they celebrate then Bull Durham and have a game in Durham, North Carolina? Is what I'd like to say. Well, you or, can do that. Or let's have Robert Redford rock out to the middle of the field before the game, shoot him in the stomach, and then have him take BP and hit some homers uh, with the Wonder Boy, the bat, and then we'll go that way. Okay. All right. So seriously, how do you how do you stack Field of Dreams up against the Natural? Uh, I like the Natural a hundred times more because it's schmaltzy, but it's schmaltzy on purpose. It's not manipulatively sm- schmaltzy. Okay. And it doesn't have. There are holes in the plot of the Natural. Like the whole Glenn Close relationship, and they, they leave sure. a lot of stuff that you gotta. They leave a lot of blanks in, in that you gotta kind of figure out on your own. 
but on balance and in terms of baseball and stuff, some of the stuff that happens between the lines is, I think, you know, relatively entertaining and it's cool. And yeah. Okay. He didn't hit the light standard and cause a fireworks show, but you know, come on. Yeah. It's, there's gotta be a little bit of, you know, artistic license, which, yeah. Which movie makes you suspend belief more than natural or field of dreams? I gotta say field of dreams. Okay. Major league versus bull Durham. Oh, now that's a good one because Major League is more cartoony and sure. Bull Durham is a little bit is more real. somewhat cartoony right. with the rain out. And yeah, so I go Bull Durham there, but Major League is also what it is. They always try to tack on a love story and stuff, you know, and Major League. Some of the problems I have with Major League is like they show up to spring training and it's a dormitory, like a barracks. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> Not All even right. in the 40s did they do that. I All mean, right. Here, here we go. Another hitter, another pitcher batter matchup. Just random. I'm throwing them. I'm trying to pair them together sort of by category. Bad News Bears versus a league of their own. All right. So Bad News Bears has to be the Walter Matthau version. It can't be the Billy Bob Thornton abomination, right? It's no, I'm talking the, the original, the OG, the, the 1976 OG. one with right. a young Jody Foster one of my first baseball movies. I still love that. Right. And then league of their own is brilliant. Um, they're both good in their own ways. League of their own stands is more of a more cinema because of the performances. Gina Davis, Tom Hanks, they're terrific. The, per- the performances are terrific in that movie. Like, you know, even Rosie O'Donnell is good, believe it or not, but their performances are great in that movie. The, the bad news bears the shock value of the kids swearing, which you know when I was a kid we all swore like that. As, sure, you know, sure. a lot, and it was no shock to me, but it was at the time that was kind of a shocking thing to see kids swearing like that and using that language. But in terms of baseball, the way they sucked, and it was one of the original kind of Rocky stories in in sports film. Sure, where you know this band of you know, ragtag ragamuffins lovable, and the fact that the in bad news bears what redeems that movie for me is that they lost to the Yankees in the championship. They finished second. They didn't win. And that okay. gave it to me. That saved the movie. It was, it's still great. I, I consider it a, a classic. It's in my top five or 10 baseball movies. But the fact that they didn't win the last game is tremendous. Kudos to the guys who made it for having the balls to not have them win. Okay. That would have been easy. Okay. Here's a comparison Fever Pitch, starring Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, or Trouble with the Curve, starring Amy Adams and Clint Eastwood. Oh. Yeah, I, I go Fever Pitch there. I like that one better. Again, uh, Fallon is good as the the geek, and you know that movie was rewritten on the fly when the Red Sox actually won. Right. The Red Sox were a hell of a lot more interesting when they lost all the time. They ceased being interesting when they actually won, and then they broke through. <laughs> Same thing with the Cubs. Right. Exactly. You know, they, they just those fans that suffered all the time. They just when they once they won, they became a pain in the ass. Right. <laughs> exactly. Drunken but, assholes. But uh, so right. Fever Pitch, I, I actually I like that. I like Fever and Pitch. Then, I it, it I thought it was a very nice warm movie. See, and Fever Pitch works on various levels. You can not be a baseball fan and watch it and figure and get it right because it's not that. You know, it's tangential. It was written, like, I think it was Nick Hornby wrote it about a soccer team, right? And that was adapted to baseball. So it was written about a guy's love of, you know, right. a Premier League team or something. So right. that was adapted. I think that, and that movie, you know, Fever Pitch kind of, again, it, it's not manipulative. It's kind of pure. It's light. It's, uh, I, I dug it. I, okay. I like that one Here's more. a battle of numbers. 61 versus 42. Ooh, 61 versus 42. Oh, well, hey, I didn't tell you my, my problem with Trouble with the Curve is like the characters have been, um, they were just so 
cliched. It was so trite, cliched. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Clint you know, Eastwood, who could barely see, but he would be, he would listen to and, the sound. And of the, the, the oh father, yeah, this guy can hit. The father-daughter relationship <clears throat> there is so tortured that she's yeah. this lawyer and she didn't get daddy love because she didn't know how. But Amy Adams is so fucking hot, and the thought she of her is. watching She's baseball great. and being into it just that made it more yes. hot. Okay, yes, uh, forty-one okay. versus sixty-two. Or sorry, forty sixty-one versus forty-two. Sixty-one was about right. Roger Maris, Billy Crystal's ode to the home run chase between Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, and then forty-two being the Jackie Robinson story. This was one that would get. We have to ask Commissioner Emeritus Seelig this because these are two of his favorite films, and he is. You know, um, he's friends with Billy Crystal, who made 61. And he also, you know, Rachel Robinson. And they they marketed the, the hell out of 42 yeah. to, um, to like, you know, uh, reviving baseball in the inner cities and their initiatives and play. And so this is a draw, I think. I, I liked 61, Billy Crystal. It's heart was in the right. And it, it's a great story. It's a story that needed to be told. It's a, It was a great story, how it gripped and it, you know, there are echoes of it because I didn't obviously wasn't around for that, but I did cover the Sosa McGuire thing and that back and forth and how that captivated the sports world. So that resonates to me, but you can't even Chadwick Bozeman was great as Jackie Robinson and the, the things that they showed with him, you know, what he went through is just a sliver of what he actually went through. Right. So I, I think they're both, uh, you know, obviously like they they took some license in the biography department, but I think they both are redeeming and they're both worth watching they're, I think they're both very well crafted okay. and, the, the, and they, they weren't seeking to manipulate really. They weren't see that, not too much anyway. All right. Not two, like two more quick ones, million dollar arm versus the rookie, a couple of Disney products that were both based in reality. Million dollar arm being about, um, what's his name for mad men being a scout that was looking for Indian talent. Yeah, that was, um, oh, who was that guy? Uh, John Ham, yeah, yeah, and then and then yeah. and then the rookie was Dennis Quaid, which was about like this old dude who finally made the majors. Remember? Yeah, those were yeah. They're both yeah. He was the coach who was throwing BP and realized he had picked up like you know ten miles an hour or something like that. <laughs> right. And those are both formulaic. I don't think either one of them was you know. I, neither one of them really resonated or had like. Bill Paxton was in that movie, Million Dollar Arm, I think, too. Okay. All right. And then, he played Tom, Tom House, but neither one of them really, they were both kind of flat and kind of like disposable. All right. And neither last one of them really. Stayed. Last comparison, because we could go all night with this Mr. 3000, Bernie Mac, and Angels in the Outfield. All right. This is, this is a good one for me because my daughter loved Angels in the Outfield and made me sit through it with her dozens Aww. of times. Oh. She loved it. Absolutely Aww. loved it. I don't think that that was great. I suffered through that. Now, <laughs> Mr. 3000 was filmed at Miller Park, you know, the baseball <laughs> scenes. It was a Brewers-related movie. It still wasn't great. It's still not, you know, Bernie Mac wasn't that likable in it because of the way the character was drawn. But um, that's the one. And my favorite Mr. 3000 story is that uh, the night that they filmed the press box scene with Angela Bassett in the press box clapping for, for something that Bernie Mac did on the field – was the night that Randall Simon assaulted the sausage in Milwaukee. No. And it was filmed way. during that game. Yes. Wow. I showed up on a night off because I wanted to get some stuff for a notebook I was writing that weekend. 
and I ended up working all night and all the next day on the crime story involving <laughs> Randall Simon. That's so stupid. For those that don't remember, Randall Simon was a, a part-time outfielder, I think, for the Brewers at the First time. First baseman outfielder First for baseman the outfielder. Pirates. For the Pirates. Right, for yeah. the Pirates in town visiting. And the uh, sausage races involve lovely uh, volunteers in costumes of big Usinger sausages running around and racing to see who would win. Sure. And uh, as a joke, Randall Simon sort of stuck a bat out yeah, to he trip one of them in the head to trip, to trip the yeah, and, and yes the uh, the Italian sausage Mandy Block over I still and, remember her name Mandy yes Block. and 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 she was just a, a young young girl young gal young lady twenty yeah, something college girl yeah, college girl college and did she get sustain some sort of injury in the uh, whole thing uh, skin to knee like that was yeah. virtually nothing but so she was, wasn't really he was hurt. charged with assault okay <laughs> and, I mean was it was it just overzealous prosecution. Or did they have to do something? It was yeah, the Brewers kind of overreacted. Um, it was it was uh, it was a scene, man. Yeah, the Brewers kind of overreacted. He was joking did, around. Like, he he yeah, probably he didn't around. think that it was going to do anything, and probably didn't know I mean, that there was a college girl in there. Yeah, I don't think he did. I clearly don't think he did. And it's not he, like he took a full heard, swing. He's not a bad guy, right? It's not yeah. like he took a full swing and kneecapped the sausage. I mean, he no, couldn't he really fuck him up. The, the physics of those costumes yes. are really, I mean, they're really top heavy and tall and sure. it doesn't take much to knock somebody over when they're in one. So, right. yeah, but that was the night of, the, of that scene being filmed. So I walk into the press box and there's like cameras and cables and guys telling me where I can go and where I can't go. And I'm like, piss off, man. I'm going to my, my chair in the front row of the press box, you know? <laughs> and then this happens and I end All up right. working harder than I ever had to work. So Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. Moms, at Vanguard, you're more than just a parent. You're the heart of the family. You're the first responder to any need. You can be the hero and the villain, sometimes on the same day. Because you know that in the end, your legacy is the values you instill in them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. 
Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. All right. What? Assuming there may someday in the future be another baseball movie, what would Drew Olson love to write about the game? What is the great Drew Olson baseball movie that if somebody just had the budget and the balls to do it, you'd love to be the writer on it? Well, um, my friend Howard Bryant wrote a really good book about Henry Aaron. And I think Henry Aaron's story probably would make a pretty good movie. Right? Yeah, I mean, we could have we could have sixty one, uh, forty two, and now forty four, <laughs> and now forty four or yeah. seven fifteen or seven fifty five or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, that that would be one I would say. Um, let's see. Uh, how about a behind the scenes of Bonds as he saw how McGuire and Sosa were getting all the accolades, and he knew he was a better all around player, better hitter than both guys but finally decided to succumb to the dark side and say, fuck it, give me your best shit, the cream, the clear, whatever you got, watch this. Let's let's change that and just make it the Kirk Radomski story. Remember the uh, <laughs> clubby and, and the Mets that was uh, yeah. that got everybody the juice? Let's make it his story because I think he's more likable than Bonds. Okay. I don't think Bonds is good for box office. Okay. How about this? A movie called The Night the Lights Went Out in Baltimore, where allegedly... Oh. allegedly according to urban internet rumor legend cal ripken's streak was in jeopardy one night because he came back home to find kevin costner rounding third with mrs ripken and went into a rage and got into a fight and was no shape to play and so on that particular night somehow the lights at camden yards went out and couldn't be restored despite like a two-hour delay that's yes, the, the game urban that legend. Was postponed. That is yes. one of the great, great urban legends. Yeah, yeah no we'll Make a movie about that and then get sued by Ripken and by sure. Kevin Costner. But hey, well, we'd, we'd have lawyers. We'd say, the, hey, the, man, it's just a movie about an internet rumor. Come on, everyone knows it's not probably true. The corollary to that is the night that the lights went out in Vegas when the Badgers were playing UNLV. Oh, yeah. And Vegas was going to take a bath and the lights went out with a couple minutes left and the game was uh, off the books. Yeah, that, that's a legendary one, and I think that's sort of been – they say it was a transformer that blew on yeah. the very block and only affected UNLV's football stadium. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. <laughs> how about – there's some great family stories, like the you know the Boone family, Aaron fucking Boone and his brothers and like his, his uh, dad and grandfather. There's got to be something there, too. Some of the great, like the um, the World Series, uh, I'm trying to think of like the, the 2001 World Series has been a great, there's been good documentary stuff about that, sure. about how emotional that was on 9-11 and everything. Right. When, and, the, and the Yankees ooh, lost. Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh, 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 true. I love 9-11 time travel movies. I bring it up every week with Matt Miller, and he always mocks me for it. So do, you know, Gitter and, and Josh. I could work in a 9-11 time travel angle to the 2001 World Series. Huh? Huh? Now you're talking. (laughs) Right. Now we're talking. How would baseball have been altered if I could travel back in time and stop 9-11? Ooh. 
That's a great question. Not sure, not sure uh, anyone would give a shit about baseball and be like, oh, you stopped 9-11. That's great. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. All right, let me get you on the record on this, and then we'll let you go. Thank you for your time tonight, by the way. Um, I said today, I think it's kind of crazy the Packers don't have at least one veteran swinging dick quarterback on their depth chart. A guy who has 20, 30 NFL starts on his resume just because Jordan Love hurt his shoulder and he's going to be out a couple days and it probably isn't bad, but it's a throwing shoulder, so you got to be careful about those things. I said, look, you're one injury from Rodgers plus a tweak to say Love away from having to start Kurt Bankard in a regular season game. I believe in having a veteran backup, even as a third stringer on your roster. I was ridiculed by most people, including Heller and Kuhn, saying it doesn't matter because if Rodgers goes down, you're screwed, and teams don't practice screwed. Who's right? Uh, I hate to break it to you, Zay, but I think the other guys are right. Okay. Because when Ro- the difference between Rodgers and every other quarterback, not just like between Rodgers and the league average starter, is like between here and Pluto, right? Sure. You know, it's just it's just astronomical. So obviously the drop-off between him and Jordan Love is a little bit more. The difference between the league average replacement level, to use a baseball term, yep. quarterback, and Jordan Love is like from me to the nearest quick trip. It's not that far, mm-hmm. right? He is not that far behind. The difference, and in terms of what you got to pay a veteran guy, um, a roster spot, can you get one on the practice squad because you're still invested in love being the number two moving forward? It's just to me, they're in a situation where that's not a luxury that they can have. And I don't know that you, I don't know that it's going to help because we've seen the Seneca Wallace experience, right? He had experience. He sucked. All these guys that you're going to get that, you know, Blaine Gabbert doesn't excite anybody. Blake Bortles doesn't excite anybody. None of those guys. Andy Dalton? You think no. they would be like, – you think they could win I, with Andy Dalton? No. I, I, none so, of those guys excite me. But th- to me, the, can, the the notion that you would trust a guy with no experience like Love okay. to win three or four games for you is hard for okay. me to, to no, get my head around. Um, I'm, look, here. Here's some names. Doug Williams. Jeff Hostetler. Nick Foles. Sure, sure. Nick three, Foles, the outliers. Three guys. The outliers. Three outliers? I mean, that's not bad. Those are three, three veteran backups that replaced star quarterbacks. Phil Sims, as well, or uh, uh, Joe Thies, or no, uh, Jay Schrader, Phil Sims, and Carson Wentz. Doug Williams, Jeff Hostler, Nick Foles, Nick Foles backups who were veterans who had a number of starts under their arms. Came in and won the Super Bowl, Drew. The Super Bowl. Just saying. sure, and with great defenses. No, here's the thing. I, I agree with you. Like, if Jordan, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt in the first snap of the second half. By the way, Trent um, Dilfer, I think, was a backup technically in in Baltimore the year they what they won it with whole, a great defense. Whole career, probably. I'll have to look at that. But, okay, go ahead. But but if if Jordan Love takes over mid game for Aaron Rodgers. You don't expect him to win that game. Like, put it this way. If you're down 10 and Rodgers gets hurt, you have zero chance of Jordan Love bringing it back. If you're up 10, he might protect the lead. It's 50, They're like 50-50 guys. They're like a, a number five starter, right? Like, okay. they give you a good turn 50, 50% of the time. They give you a chance to win 50% of the time. They shit the bed, right? right. Okay. So, if, if, it's, if you're talking about more than four games, you're fucked anyway. So I know, like, but I so but those me, four games are whether crucial. Whether it's Andy Dalton or Blake or Blake Bortles or Blaine Gabbert or Colt McCoy or anybody, the, the backup quarterback, the best you can hope for to me 
is 500. If he plays four games, you go two and two and you just hold serve until the, the other guy gets better. Right. If it's eight games, you're pretty much fucked. Cause that's a big chunk of the season that sure. you're not going to win yeah. games. So okay. it's 500. So can Jordan love go 500 with the Packers team? I looked at Tyrod Taylor the other night playing for Houston. Right? I would love to have Tyrod Taylor just as a security yeah, blanket. But, but I, I would rather, you know, give me the choice in, in the situation there. I'd rather have Jordan love because you know what his, you don't know what his ceiling is. You don't know. And, and that's, you don't, you don't know, also, you don't know what his floor is either. And that's just it. And you don't have, but you also don't have bad habits. Plus this year, if Jordan love quarterback, the Packers and Tyrod Taylor quarterback Houston, which is going to be awful. Jordan love might have a better record, right? He might win more games because the Packers are a better team. Right. I just think, so ooh, here's, here's another one for you. <laughs> you ready for this one? Uh, Rex Grossman. Oh no. He was the starter that year. Sorry. Rex was sexy a starter. Rexy. Sexy Rexy. I went 13 and three as a starter in 06. Hey. I thought that was the year uh, he came in as a backup. He did play one game as a backup to, I believe, uh, uh, the guy from Purdue, uh, Orton. Or Kyle Orton. Orton? Yeah, well, Kyle Orton. Yeah, it was, uh, here's another one. Was, Trent, uh, Trent. Caleb Haney. Caleb Haney was the third quarterback, the emergency quarterback in the 2010 NFC Championship. That's one game, Drew. Against the Packers, That's one game. Almost, but he almost brought him back, and everybody thought, oh, this guy's going to be good. And he, he sucked from, you know, here, that was like his here. magical Trent, day. Trent Dilfer, who was the former number one, number one for Tampa, I think. he Didn't he go top of the draft, Trent Dilfer? When he was in Baltimore at age 28, he went seven and one en route to the Super Bowl. Granted, as a ride along to the modern day equivalent of the '85 Chicago Bears, I grant you that. But the value of Dilfer was he was a veteran who knew how to call a play, get you out of the huddle without a delay a game, and run the fucking plays, however basic they may be. There's value in that. If Jordan Love is still behind the curve due to pandemic or whatever, and can't even run the fucking offense, and he has to play, big trouble for the Packers. Just saying. Yeah, um, Trent Dilfer was so successful, like in Baltimore. They let him go. Was that they let 2000? him go. They let him. Yeah. They one year. They're like, you can walk. See you later. But they went and signed Elvis Gerbach. Elvis Gerbach was supposed to be this great hot free agent. They paid a ton of money, and he stunk from Kansas City. Oh, Two thousand wow. regular season. Dilfer was twelve touchdowns, eleven interceptions. <laughs> it's so pathetic. Guess what they call him though? Champion. Super Bowl champion. Super Bowl champion. All right. Anything else no before we wrap it up tonight, Drew? No, the uh, the love thing is just fascinating. And I, I, I tried to watch the second half of that game once he was out, and there was just nothing there, dude. It was like, it's just, I couldn't. I, I didn't I couldn't watch myself. I didn't watch any of the game. Does that make me a bad sports radio host? And the reason I don't watch it is because I'm convinced watching preseason makes you dumber. As a football fan, it'll give you bad information. It'd be like entering bad numbers, bad data into this elaborate, elegant spreadsheet that pretends that what you're seeing matters. I think the preseason is such a, a house of funhouse mirrors that if you try to attempt to make sense of it, you're going to get yourself crossed up. And that's the problem that we've all been conditioned to, to realize like that the result score doesn't matter. So right. we're looking for development and we're looking for, we're looking for stuff that we can't comprehend. And that doesn't matter anyway, because a guy that you fall in love with over the course of three exhibition games will then get cut. And you'll say, well, why did they cut him? Well, because he doesn't play special teams or because they see him in practice and he sucks. And yeah. like, that's, you saw him a couple of snaps that he looked good in 
you know, you're thinking about buying that jersey and <laughs> the guy gets released and that's just the NFL. You're right. It's it's beyond I, but uh, awful. I don't shame people who do watch games and I will watch them for leisure if I have the time. But I wasn't around where I could watch the Packer game on Saturday night. I was at my in-laws. And so I made no attempt, and I made no attempt to come back and watch the DVR copy, as I suppose I'm required by the union, by the Sports Talk Radio Union, to do. But I didn't do it because I realized that I'll just start making conclusions off of shit that probably is irrelevant. Yeah, and that's the danger, and that's you're right. It warps you, and you're better off not. You know, even for fantasy, you get fooled into you know making a bad draft pick or something. Yeah. All right, Drew. Always good to talk to you, buddy. I'll see you at the Radio Ranch. You bet, Zabe. All right, Take it easy. There you go. Let me end on this. I had an interesting conversation today uh, with one Jonathan Combs. Jonathan Combs is his name, and he is the director of personal training at the L.A. Fitness I just joined. I know. I'm a gym guy again. Ugh. I've got all the equipments I need. Uh, equipments. I've got all the equipment I need in a very nice, decently sized, but not huge workout room in my basement. Very simple. I've got a stationary bike. I've got a treadmill. I have a Stairmaster. And I have a DVD player where I can play P90X. And I did that once upon a time, 10 years ago, to get in the best shape of my life. I'm in a bad rut right now, and I just said, you know what? I went in there to see, okay, what does it cost per month? And it's actually fairly reasonable, and they don't stick you with a big upfront, you got to pay a year in advance, big, you know, you could pay for, like, their initiation, but it wasn't bad. And you can quit any time. There's no contract. So I was like, all right, you know what? Let's do this. It'll give me some place to go. Because what I do now is I get done doing the show in the morning from home. And I want to get out of the house. And I might go out and chip and putt at the golf course. Or maybe play golf uh, during the week. Or I just go eat. And that's a problem. I get out of the house. I'm like, yay, I'm done with the show. What am I going to do? Let's get out of the house. And do what? Oh, let's go eat. How about instead of going to eat, go work out? So I was talking to him about you know personal training. And not to get too deep in the weeds about it. Didn't quite feel them on his philosophy of how they assign trainers and everything else. That said, he told me that he once played briefly in the preseason in the NFL for the Washington Redskins. He was a running back out of Texas A&I. He had gotten to meet Daryl Green. Daryl Green helped train him for his 40-yard dash time at the Combine. Was still not drafted, but made the preseason with, you know, the Redskins and was Doing some damage, he said. He said he was making some plays. And he, we talked about how he's like, you know, in practice, you might get three plays. And you better show something in those three plays. Because if you show something, then guess what? You might actually get two or four, two or three or four touches in a preseason game. But when you do, you better make something of that. And then he said he was actually doing some stuff in the preseason. Made it all the way to week three of the preseason. Ended up getting cut, but he said one of the things that helped seal his fate was that he was about to run into the end zone for a touchdown, and he squeezed the ball 
tight in his right arm, and it just popped out of his arm like it was a cherry pit or something and fumbled, recovered by the Panthers, and he got cut the next week. It was quite the poignant story told me about, and and, he, and I said I tried to say to him, I'm like, look, bro, you you made it. I, I was on, I was doing the bro thing. I was in the gym, felt like I was a tough. I'm in the gym, bro. I said, man, that's still though. You climbed a pretty high peak in football to even get that far. That's that's pretty impressive. And he just sort of hung his head. He's like, yeah, but you know what though? I don't consider that success. That fumble still haunts me to this day. I believe the story, although who knows how much of it might have been exaggerated. But then he pulled out his phone, tapped in with his finger a few letters. Up it came, turned the phone around. There's the photograph. Sure enough, he's right there, (laughs) going into the end zone, clear as day, nobody's touching him. Football's over here. Jonathan Combs is over here. Son of a bitch. Wow. That's tough right there. So, yeah, my efforts to cheer him up probably weren't that great because, you know, it's just the fitness. He's the personal training director at an L.A. fitness journey. Good guy, though. I may end up doing some training with one of his staff, but uh, not sure about that. First things first, how about actually get into the gym? And use it because that would be the whole point of this. All right, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening and being a loyal Zavecast listener and perhaps subscriber. If you want to be part of the True 1%, sign up for Fridays as well. You get a little bit better cut of content on the premium days, but not always. Everyone has their favorites and their least favorites. Still, you know that your $5 a month, which turns out into like $4.33 when you buy a whole year all at once, uh, it goes to support the overall effort, keep me motivated, and, uh, you know, make me buy vans that I go out and drive around in and do interviews in, which I think are nice, and I hope you enjoy. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Have yourself a great Tuesday, and we will... See you next time. The summers of the past. Adjust the face and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. Winning season returns at mybookie.ag and it's time to get in on the action. First time players can get started by doubling your first deposit, giving you the firepower, boom, to add excitement to the games you love. College football odds boosts, NFL lock of the week season, and over $500,000 in contest prizes live on site to make winning this season your best ever with MyBookie. With a historic 18-week schedule offering more action than ever before, you need a sportsbook casino that's reliable, and you won't find a better place than MyBookie. I know you're going to bet this season, so do the smart thing and sign up with MyBookie and use our promo code ZABE. That's Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo Echo to get your first ever deposit matched dollar for dollar. That's extra money credited to your account instantly just for using promo code ZABE and making your first deposit today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie, and when you win, get paid.
Moms, at Vanguard, you're more than just a parent. You're the heart of the family. You're the first responder to any need. You can be the hero and the villain, sometimes on the same day. Because you know that in the end, your legacy is the values you instill in them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24/7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.